0: VW meets this time is the bearded guna media with these three fine gentlemen and ryan isn't here rowan isn't here gary isn't here is there anybody i've missed there's just the six of you is there yeah really good yep, that's it right so we're going to cover a few things tonight. We're going to talk about how uh, my guests got into supporting Arsenal, whether they were forced to like I was or whether it was a, a decision they made themselves. They're regretting immensely as every day goes by. And then we're going to talk a little bit about how you got into podcasting, because that's the main point of these shows, and talk about your podcast and what you've done and what you're planning to do. And then if we've got enough time at the end, we're going to talk a little bit about this disastrous season. where We're all going to give up supporting football and go and do something more interesting instead. Oh, Stan's gone. I think he's falling off. Oh dear! Well, we're down to just two of us, three of us then. Oh,
1: no, there uh, he is. is. Oh, oh, a power power. Power. <laughs> <laughs> All right,
0: we're
2: we're, we're going to start with Stan, but we we'll start with you, Tanner. How did you become an Arsenal fan? I love telling this story, but it's it's. Uh, I feel like one of these days I'm going to have to have my grandfather tell the story because yeah, I yeah. tell you the story as he told me the story because I don't really remember much. Um, but it started in eighty nine, nineteen eighty nine. And there was a program on here in America called, uh, the ABC, which is the broadcasting company, uh, the ABC wide world of sports. And they would show various sort of, uh, obscure sporting events. And I say obscure, but remember I live in America. So, um, we have American football, baseball, basketball, ice hockey. And in 1989 proper football was not a widely accepted sport over here. Um, but the abc wide world of sports on a on a on a recording this was probably the end of june give or take they showed a replay of arsenal liverpool from anfield final match of the season we all know how that went um as my grandfather were there for that game <laughs> uh, as my grandfather tells the story i was uh enamored at first by the accents of the of the commentators and that's really kind of what sucked me in but my, i'm a 10 year old kid at this point so um accents are a relatively new thing. But um I I started watching because of the commentators and the accents, but somewhere along the line realized that uh Arsenal needed uh that they won by two goals, they would win win the championship. And I'm saying they they're gonna win the Super Bowl. So you know, to me again, ten year old kid doesn't know anything that they're gonna win, you know, they're gonna win the Super Bowl of their sport. So I'm I'm watching and I, you know, they score and I as my grandfather said, kind of started to really root for this team in, in blue and gold. Um, and, uh, by the time it was all said and done, Michael Thomas obviously had scored the goal. Everyone says, you know, like who's the one player that, that got you, that got you into watching Arsenal and it would be it for me, it was Michael Thomas. Um, but, uh, he scored the goal. My grandfather said, I, I went absolutely ballistic because I, I, I've always had a mind for sports. I've always known what I was watching, and I've always understood what I was watching. Um, as difficult as it might be to explain to someone, but I've always picked it up very quickly. And um, when he scored that goal, I knew they had to win by two. And he scored the second goal, of course, and the rest is the rest is kind of history. From there, my grandfather, um, later on at some point that summer, ended up handwriting a letter to the club and uh, basically just asking for some way, somehow, if they knew of any way to watch games over here, follow the club and and explain to them, you know, just my reaction and things like that. And ended up sending him a, a paper schedule um, of, of, a you know, the fixture list. Um, there was a phone number I could call that I could actually like you had to press one and then press five and then press this and then press that. And you would get the scores. of I think that would have
0: been 0898. Uh, Well,
2: no, no, whatever it was over here. Yeah, no, no clue what it was here in America, but that's how I would get the scores. And I knew when they, they played and we would get the scores and they sent me a, uh, they sent me a shirt, they sent me a scarf and the rest is history. And it was always sort of, Arsenal was always my thing because no one else in my family, I mean, they don't watch, no one watches. My nine-year-old nephew plays. um, So my, my brother, his, his dad follows for that reason, but my even my grandfather getting me into Arsenal, just sort of nurturing it. Even now, he doesn't he doesn't really watch much, other than to simply say, "Hey, caught uh, caught a little bit of the Arsenal match the other day." We talk about it a little bit, but that's it. It's not a for him. He doesn't he doesn't care. He doesn't really watch. Doesn't pay attention. But I did, and it became a thing for me. And he just kind of took it and and pushed me in that direction, and that was it. So uh, if it weren't, how many if it weren't for him. You? What's that, How
0: many people have you converted to Arsenalism? Because my list is about 15 to 20 people.
2: I mean, I've tried like to get my nephew into watching. Um, I mean, they have my, you know, my nephews, my niece, they they have shirts and whatnot that I've gotten for them for their birthdays or for Christmas. But uh conversion to the point where I'm at, no one, no one in my family watches. I I mean it. Like I I'll call my brother on the phone and say, Hey, if you if you have Cohen, his you know, my nephew. Hey, there. You know, we're on NBCSN. You can watch if you, you know, if you want to put the game on for them. Sometimes they watch. Sometimes they don't. They don't. But know my family are all American football. That's that's their American football is their sport. Ice hockey. My dad and I. But uh, no one in my family. I haven't been able to convert anyone in my family to to, to watching Arsenal. It's always been my thing. And probably, and, probably and, for and the pretty
0: best good. at the moment, because well, otherwise yeah. your family would shun you.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and, but if that's you know, I mean, they're, they're, they're just not proper football fans. I and I say proper I don't want to call it the S word. Um, but they 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 don't they just don't watch it. It's not like they're a fan of another club, they support anyone else, they 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 simply don't. If they were to get into it on their own, um, they would probably gravitate toward Christian Pulisic. Um and and unfortunately, you know, that way Chelsea, but Christian was actually born, um about 40 minutes away from where I grew up in uh, Carlisle, Pennsylvania, Carlisle, England, sister, sister town to Carlisle, England. Um, But they would gravitate more toward him probably if if they were to try to figure out their own rooting interest, that that would be the way they would, they would go. And in fact, Christian's dad, Mark, (coughs) actually uh, played indoor football. If you can believe that he was a goalkeeper. They played at a place called the Harrisburg Farm Show Complex And when I was growing up, my grandfather would take me up there to watch games. And that's, that really kind of pushed me in, in that, in that direction. It's funny. I never actually played the sport. I've never played football in my life. Like I never, I was, I was an ice hockey player as a kid. So I've never, never played. It's always just been a, always just been me watching and, and just being a, being a fan, being a supporter.
0: Well, I've heard of indoor soccer, the NASL indoor, because Chris White used to be a magnificent centre back for Arsenal. He went over to play MLS, um, not MLS, uh, NASL indoor, and he played as a striker. And he once got twenty-seven goals in a season, something like that. Yeah. And then I found out later that quite a few times he'd come on as a sub for Arsenal in the eighties and play as a forward. So yeah. we have a few, quite a few ex-Arsenal players played NASL indoor and outdoor. Stan, you uh, probably remember Chris White, didn't you? Chris White, I don't know. No, centre-back, yeah. ended up playing, I think he won the title with Leeds when he come, um, went to West Brom and ended up with Rushton and Diamonds. But if, if anybody knows Chris White, tell him we want him on the podcast. Very interesting bloke. Um,
1: all,
0: okay. Oh, all right, fair enough. I'm on my own there. Then, yeah, tell yeah. people how you become a gooner. And I th- from what you've told me, it's quite similar to um, Tanner's, isn't it? Well, Not that no, like his granddad didn't, didn't get you to support them.
1: But I did get, you get had... a load of free stuff from Arsenal, like Tanner did when I started supporting. You know, I wish I did, but scarves and on <laughs> the top. But I think it was a bit by mistake on my dad's part because obviously I grew up in South London, but on my dad's side, they come from a line of Scotsmen that then gradually moved down to the Newcastle area and then through ancestors, my great-grandfather and a great-uncle both played for Newcastle. So my dad was a Newcastle supporter, but there I am. I'm living in, in, in South London. My nearest football ground was Millwall and then Crystal Palace. So... My, my dad, being coming from a, a divorced family and living with my mum, we got to that stage where my dad would take me out every Saturday, but we got to that stage where there's only so many times you can do the museums, Madame Tussauds, the London Dungeon. Do you know what I mean? The, the one where you go and look at the planetarium. So I think he decided one day, I'm going to take him to football. That sounds a little bit like the, the premise to fever pitch. Does it? <laughs> you, that's what they do in the beginning of that. Well, because we, we, we've done all of that stuff, right? You know, the Buckingham Palace, the Tower of London. It's, and there's only so many times you can keep doing them, right? And so he came and took me to football. And he wasn't going to take me to Millwall, which was obviously the closest. This is like the end of the 70s. And obviously, you're a favorite. child to Millwall. It, yeah. it, it, we've all heard the stories. So the, nearest, the next nearest place was Crystal Palace. And what he'd done is he timed it so that the match was Crystal Palace v Newcastle, being the Newcastle supporter. So this is my first time now, ever going to a football match, and it was um, it was all standing. I was about maybe nine years old, eight and a half, nine years old, something like that, surrounded by all these tall men. And I grew up with my mum, being from a divorced family, and mainly uh, aunties and female cousins. The only men figures in my life at that age were a un- couple of uncles and male teachers. So here I am, stood by all these guys shouting. Some of them had rattles. Remember them rattle things? <laughs> Seriously. Some of them had them fucking round rattle things that they were shaking. I couldn't see the pitch because I was so small. And I hated it. I just wanted to go home to mum. So we finished. He took me home. And in front of my mum, he said, um, you know, my mum was like, did you have a good time? And I remember looking up, looking at her, looking at my dad and thinking, well, my, what, what do I say? So I lied. I said, yeah, I great time. And my dad went, good, we're going again next week. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I wasn't looking forward to it. So it was either the next, maybe the week after, I can't remember. We went back to Crystal Palace. But this time it was Crystal Palace Arsenal. And you know, I, I was taking a lot more interest in the actual what was going on in the pitch. I could see where we were, I could see a lot better. And where we were, we were on like the, on one of the touch lines. It was the player that caught my eye and done it for him, was Liam Brady. For whatever reason, he kept playing he was playing on the on on the wing for us that day. And he kept running up, I I kept seeing this guy run up and down, yellow shirt, number seven on the back, socks rolled down his legs. And I don't know what it was. I just came away from that game and I just said to my dad, I'm an Arsenal supporter now. That's it, sealed, that sealed the deal. And that was it. And I was about nine, ten. I'll tell you when it was, it was Liam Brady's last season for Arsenal before he left. And went off, I think it was it went off to Italy, right? yeah yeah it went off there so that's how it kind of s- started for me and i did have an interest before that with them some of the kids in my school were into arsenal and i kind of like like the sound of them but i always remember when i was maybe six one christmas because a little bit of a late developer of football one of my christmas presents was like a it was an itchy umbro i remember those itchy umbro football kits you used to get oh horrible material just don't get it wet. Reason, I think it was just my parents probably thinking like, what can we get him for Christmas? This Barmer football kit, and I hadn't shown any interest in a team at that point. And it was a fucking Chelsea kit we tried to wear for fucking PE, horrible <laughs> <laughs> blue thing. But then obviously when I was like nine, ten, and I started taking an interest, it was that's my Arsenal story. And um, I was going to say I've never looked back, but you know <laughs> where we are now.
2: <laughs> sometimes I think maybe maybe I should. have fucking Newcastle. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, boy, I, I, if I, if I wouldn't have jumped on the Arsenal bandwagon in 1989, and you know, followed the winner, I you know, who knows? Maybe I'm a Liverpool supporter at this point. And ugh, I, I I can't even imagine. Could you imagine being anything other than, other than support? Could you imagine supporting anyone other than Arsenal? I, I, I personally can't. I don't obviously, you know, have a story like stance. I mean, you. I
1: think of... I've been saved though because where I, where I grew up in South London, had I not gone to those Crystal Palace games and come back after the second match following Arsenal, I tell you what would have happened. Where I grew up, all of my other friends, not in school, in school there were kids there like, that supported loads of different teams. But where I lived in my area, they were all Millwall supporters. That's, where I, that's what would have become of me. I would have, I would have, down to Millwall like, you know, <laughs> i will be, be on like Millwall podcast now, like talking about, you know, biting off chicken heads or whatever it is they do down there. I don't know what they do.
2: Who are they? Who are they? Who are they? Alice Cooper imitators.
0: <laughs> they probably just talk about Dennis Wise and the one decent season they've had in the last 30 years or the Tony Casquino Wonderland podcast or something yeah, like that. Actually you know, sharing, wouldn't
1: it? We've got young Daniel Ballard. Is it Ballard who's out there on loan, right? Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: I mean, if that, if you want to get toughened up, I don't know what it's, there, what it's like there now, but I mean, surely that's got to toughen you up because playing, playing for Millwall
0: Probably would do. Right, Glenn. How did you become a goon? I take it so those have had really interesting stories. Don't let us down now.
3: Well, I'm, I'm going. I'm going to give you the short version, uh, not a, a Tanner life story, or, <laughs> or I don't even have any uh, people like Stan's Uncle Bad Touch who took him to the games. Uh, my whole thing is uh, how, Stan. I'm joking. You know that. Um, how, how did I go to the point where today my stomach still hurts? three days from that Brentford came. How did I get to this point? Well, first, Danny, thank you for having me on. I'm so honored to be on this channel. It's such a wonderful, wonderful channel. Um, you have to, bl- My my mom was born in Germany. My dad's family and him migrated to America from South America. The love of the love of football has been ingrained in me since I was a kid. When all my friends were trying out for Little League baseball, I was trying out for goalkeeper, uh, you know, in in the I hate I don't I can't even say the S word, but what we call it here in America. Um, and you can blame my late start in loving Arsenal on American television because the Premier League was not televised here until 1998 before that the only thing you got was a match of the day played about a week later with 22 minutes removed from it and commercials put in the middle of the game so uh, uh, until 1998 there was no way to properly follow a team here um so my love for arsenal grew and grew from there and then um you know, and I suffered alone too. You know, I didn't think there was anybody like me. And then when Thierry Henry went to the New York Red Bulls, I put on my Arsenal shirt so proudly, thinking I'd be the only one there. And there were a bunch of other people there in Arsenal jerseys. And and then after, <laughs> and then after a, after a, a fire almost killed me, no joke. And I was stuck in a hospital. I, w- I, sh- I was just looking at my phone, you know, because you're miserable. Burns are such a horrible thing. You can't do anything. And all I could do was really watch the thing I hated most, the Twitter, which I swore I'd never be on, YouTube, which I swore I'd never be on. I was one of those old, social media, that's not for me. But I was trapped in a bed in a hospital for a week. And I discovered slowly everybody out there, you, Danny, AFTV, same old arsenal. And, you know, it just grew into this passion where today I am so, fucking pissed off at that Brentford game. <laughs> <laughs> and my family still knows to avoid me <laughs> with anything too aggravating. So that's my story. It's a little longer than I wanted to tell, but that's how I came from my love of Arsenal. I'm so happy to be on this show, Danny.
0: (laughs) Good. I'm glad you're here. I've I've known all of you for age. I mean, me and Stan, we've been uh, following each other, been on podcasts three or four years ago. And and I've been talking to you, Glenn, about um, Vikings and all that other stuff. And if you see behind you that, I want to believe that's – I think we talk a little bit about that kind of stuff. And then, Tanner, I've done podcasts with you, and uh, you stole my moniker of uh, of being the bearded goon, or I should have had that. And I, there will be legal proceedings headed your way.
2: <laughs> and my legal team's already prepping our defence.
0: <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> uh, so following on from that, I'll start with you, with Tanner. If you knew um, a nephew or a child's friend, a friend's a friend's child or, or someone like that or someone in their teens and they want to get into football would you say to them support Arsenal because my brother's friend Lauren she's got a son um whatever his name is I can't remember and he used to support Arsenal and his favorite player was Martinelli and he's only eight and I saw him in town last week I went oh you're happy with Martinelli he went I don't support Arsenal anymore uh, he supports Chelsea <laughs> so I've disowned him and I'm never talking to <laughs> him again you know. so if you had to give someone uh, – if you were influential towards someone, uh, would you say to them support Arsenal or would you look at all this and go, you're probably best that you don't?
2: I've, I've always been – I've always gone against the grain when it comes to the, the, the teams that I support. You, you know, Arsenal, not with, I mean, that's not really against the grain. <clears throat> at the time, it wasn't really against the grain. But, the, you know, growing up in, in central Pennsylvania, I had Pittsburgh to the west. I had Philadelphia to the east. I would have, uh, you know, Baltimore, Washington, DC to the South. And, and my family are all big, uh, Pittsburgh Steeler fans in, in the, uh, national football league, American football. And when I was a kid, I just, I had to be different and I didn't want to, I didn't want to follow the team that everyone else followed. Um, <clears throat> it worked out well for me in the end. Um, but believe me, I, su- I suffered through a lot of lean years with the new England Patriots, um, but I, I just I love their their old their old logo um, when I was a kid. And my grandfather, when they got their doors blown off in Super Bowl 20 by the Chicago Bears, my grand once again, my grandfather said, nope, that's your team. That's your your that your those are your guys. You stick with those guys through thick and thin. And uh, what I, <laughs> I don't know that I would push Arsenal on anyone right now. I don't know that I'd want to subject anyone to that <laughs> sort of abuse. But uh, no, I've always been sort of, you know, I'll get you into it. I'll, I'll try to nurture a, a a a passion in the game, but I've always I've always believed that you will find yourself in a in a in, in a club somewhere. It, it's there's a saying from from Dennis Bergkamp, and I've and I've seen it. I don't remember it. I'll I'll butcher it, but basically paraphrasing, it, it's you 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 found yourself there. You you don't follow a club because of the trophies that they've won or you know, all of the accolades or, or I, the, think, I think Harley would disagree with you there. He's yeah. <laughs> the only reason he's supporting them. Well, um, but you know, it, it, at the end of it, he says something like you somewhere in this club, you, you found yourself. And I would, I would, it would start off as Arsenal, just like it has with, with my nephews and my niece, you know, I get them shirts and I try to get them to watch. Um, my oldest nephew will most likely make his own decision. and, if it's if it's not Arsenal, it's it's not Arsenal. Would I like it to be? Sure, because it would be something that we could share together, a passion we could share together. But um he's a big Cristiano Ronaldo fan as most, you know, seven, eight, nine year old kids these days are. But um would I would I force it on them? No. I, that's never been my you know, no, oh, you're gonna support Arsenal around now. I uh, that's 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 not me. But I will I will try to nurture it in terms of the the merchandise that I buy for them and things like that. I, I try to be the cool uncle when it comes to that uh, stuff. So It's
0: very generous of you. Glenn, um, not, how about you? Have you, Um, I was going to go to Stan. I'm looking at Stan's name and I said, Glenn, I don't know why I did that, but might as well go with Glenn. Have you managed to convert anybody? Cause me, my mum, my dad, uh, my brother says Liverpool, but you knows fuck all about football. Sean's mum used to be a Spurs fan. All of our family were converted her. Sean's obviously an Arsenal fan. Over the years, I've probably taken 50 different people to the football because I always had one person come with me. So i converted loads and none of them thanked me. None of them even speak to me anymore.
2: <laughs> there's, there's your thanks, by the way. They don't speak yeah. to you. There's your thanks. Uh, oh, 1998,
0: 2004. Oh, the sun shone out of my arse. Now... Dead to me, the lot of them.
3: <laughs> the the crowd that I hung out with, um, I'll give you an example of their attitude. The first time I wore an Arsenal jersey, my friend Al said to me, What the hell is that? I said, It's an Arsenal kit. He said, Oh, I thought you just really liked an airline because of fly emirates on the front. That's the kind of people I hung out with. Okay. So no, I didn't convert anybody, and the hell with them. You know, this this club has brought me so much joy and misery and uh, i just i don't know i don't know how to describe it so if a you small know,
0: child you met a small child who was interested in knew that knew that you liked football would you say oh, if, you if, Arsenal, if, or would you not want to be so cruel if
3: if it, if it was my son if, if he didn't play gta 5 24 hours a day uh, and he was attracted you know he, he's got so many similarities with me and what drew me to arsenal was class and style and if my son was like that i would have i would have encouraged him to be an arsenal supporter but he'd rather run around all day shooting hookers and stealing
0: cars yes (laughs) wouldn't we all i
2: mean let's face it wouldn't we all like to
0: (laughs) well you could move to london you'd fit right in at the moment (laughs) police stations and uh graffiti (laughs) the place behave yourself Uh this time stan (laughs) Um yeah would you if would you give the advice to uh, someone who was uh, younger to if they asked you I don't really have a lot of nieces or nephews around me and I'm not a father
1: I mean obviously if I if I did have a if I did have a son he'd have to support arsenal or I'd either end up probably raffling him off or sending him to the local orphanage It was, you know have to work and similar to that as well if I'm in a relationship, then you know the the you know the the, the girl in a relationship has to buy into it. Otherwise, that relationship is probably not going to last. And I've been with my yeah. missus now for for ten years, but I think my missus is one of them as well because because she's not from England, you know, and and I'm into this like soccer team. She 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 tells me that she supports Arsenal, but I think she's just I think she does it for me. Yeah, yes.
3: my wife, my she, wife asks man. me after every game. I'm sorry, Stan, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. My wife asks me every game after every game did Arsenal win <laughs> because she wants to know what kind of mood that I'll be in. Uh, and uh, just to further uh, explain upon myself and converting people, I have a 19 year old daughter. Thank goodness I did not introduce her to Arsenal because she's been uh, and I'm not even joking. She suffers from depression. And thank oh. goodness that would have just meant more therapy being an Arsenal fan.
0: That's that's not good. Um talking about you were saying about kids, I've got a, a line for my daughter when she's when she annoys me, I go, You've only got one dad, I can have plenty more kids. At <laughs> the moment I've got one. You do as you're told.
3: <laughs> and I say
0: I, I said, You're lucky you're an only child, because if I had another kid, even if it even if it was ginger and it was fat and ugly, it would still be my favourite. That doesn't go down well either. Um so what was I gonna say? Um yeah so stan you you, the gist of it is that when your missus says to you do you like this handbag and you go yeah that's the same way she treats you with football
1: you kind of like she'll be like oh the Arsenal games on tomorrow what time and i'll be like it kicks off about 12 and she gives me all this thing about how we're going to watch it and then she goes right i'm just going to pop out down to the (laughs) shops she won't come she comes back it's like 10 minutes before the end and she's like so what happened then and but still plays the interest you know but bless her her, she's doing it for me so you know can you get us wear a kit that's the that's the uh the the test but i I will say though i will say though like one of my best ever gifts was just before i um moved from europe to canada i was living in amsterdam my 50th birthday she she pulled out the stop she arranged with a good mate of mine back in england who's a supporter she got two tickets for the uh, north london derby the one that you was at tanner the one of emery 4-2 that was all a surprise uh, and she also uh, somehow went online somewhere and got me uh, my favourite JVC yellow away Arsenal top with nice. Paul Vieira on the top. And it was match worn as well. So bless her. Oh, I mean, I got 50 fiftieth, it was probably one of my favourite birthdays the ever. The 2 one, the bright yellow. No, no, the JVC, you know, the yellow with the blue bar. To, but from the bird kind um, All
0: right. Okay. Yes. Uh,
1: let me Schwartz give you. One. Let
3: me give you. Let me give you something from the opposite spectrum of that, which sounds awesome, Stan. Uh, you're a very lucky man. Very lucky. Um, um, my wife gets her way with everything. Uh-huh. Except Arsenal, I get that two hours no matter when it is. <laughs> that shows you how deeply I love Arsenal. That I don't concede to her in any way, shape, or form. Where she has finally accepted it. So yeah, that's the thing with me and my wife. She wants to know if Arsenal won, lost, or draw to know the mood I'll be in. And she gives me that two hours no matter when it is.
0: So my, you've had an extension built for the rest of this season so that, that she can yeah. go and live in there because it's going to be a nightmare all season.
2: Well, my, uh, my, my significant other doesn't ever get the opportunity to, to do things like what uh, Stan's Mrs. did for him. I'm way too much of a control freak for that stuff. So whenever there's something I want, I buy it. I don't give her the opportunity. Um, <laughs> whenever we you know plan trips over there, I'm, I'm the one planning because if I leave it up to her, uh, we'll be lucky to make it to the airport on time. <laughs> uh, I, mean, I, I, I almost have to pack her suitcase for her because she's like, I'll do it. I'll do it the day we leave. It's like, no, you won't do it the day you leave because I'm not going to sit there for three hours when we need to be at the airport in two and you try, you're still trying to figure out your outfits so I, every
0: time I, um, although Sean's mum doesn't live here, we've been separated over 20 years. We all still go out as a family all the time. Birthdays, Christmas, Easter, it's her birthday oh, it's tomorrow, nice. and we're all going out for dinner and uh, we just go and do stuff. And whenever it, my idea is right, we're leaving at one, go, go, go. One o'clock, we're leaving, we're getting in the car, the van, and going. And them lot, oh, i just having a sit down. Oh, I've got to go. <laughs> no, no, I'm going now. And I go off without them, and I say no, I'm gonna go. I'll see you later. I'm not waiting around for you. I'm that the same. Lot are unorganized <laughs> shitehawks. hawks. I'm the same. I'll go without you then. I'm the same. Yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm out of here. I don't. You don't want to go. But I know. One right? of so, the ones well,
0: <sighs> getting
1: ready to go out, and my missus will go. Then right? Are you ready? Then I'm like, I've been ready for fucking ages. I was ready I yes, was
2: ready three days ago. What are you I'm talking about? For you, man.
0: If I ever went on holiday, I swear I could get my entire everything I'm taking on holiday for two weeks in somewhere warm. I'd get it all in a Tesco carrier bag. I'd wear the same thing virtually every day. <laughs> so and sense, day really. if, I, if I can't get it in a bag, I'm not bringing it. And so oh that's no, good. I need I need, need four hundred kilos of, of bloody furniture and clothes and <laughs> appliances. <laughs> that's you're to you say a say bag, it, that you like Tesco's bag. <laughs> anyway, right, Tanner how did you get into podcasting this is this is this is the meat of the show because this is the bit that i always find massively interesting when how did people get into i know how stan got into it but we're still gonna ask him
2: um yeah so i i went to school uh university for um ger- broadcast journalism basically and uh, i was i was a young man when i graduated with my degree and said nope i'm gonna fuck off i don't want to I don't want to move to Midwest bumfuck and and do the weather report on some godforsaken, you know, news channel out there. And uh, so I bided my time and I bided my time and I bided my time and I became a bartender and uh, was having fun bartending. And long story short, I never did what I wanted to do, um, which was ultimately host my own sports talk radio show. Well, that didn't pan out. And then the in. Then uh, the the invent of the internet and um, the lovely thing that now is is YouTube and the world of podcasting and now anybody can be a radio star, and so that's pretty much. It's not as it's not a, gr- a very interesting story, but uh, Glenn said something interesting the other night that I'm going. I did. To, you sure <laughs> did. Um, but it's, it's it, it, you know we all have a creative out we we all have a creative process That's why we do this. It's it's part of why we're we're in this, and and that that runs in me as well. I I have that creative sort of you know streak in me, and and this is um this is the way I do it. This is the way that I get my my thoughts and and my ideas of of sports out there. I knew from a very young age that I'm just I just don't have it to play professional sports, but I want to work in professional sports somehow some way. Um, and I've never forty two years old. I've never achieved that goal, but uh, it's. I suppose it's never too late to to start to try to achieve that goal. But um, I, I, you know, I podcast, and the, and the great thing about it is, while the story is to why I do this isn't that interesting, it, it has given me an opportunity to meet to meet people very much like the three of you that that I certainly consider friends, and and um, would absolutely you know buy anybody any one of you you know a beer here in a shot, uh, you know, look forward to meeting all three of you at some point. And it's, it's been a, it's been great to connect with people from all over the world that, that share a passion that I really don't have anyone around here to share that passion with. Um, so it's, it's nice to be able to, to do this and connect with, with people who do share this just, just like I do. And, and, um, yeah, sometimes they think I'm crazy when I say that Hector Bellerin should play in the midfield because that's where his heat map shows he plays anyway, um, yeah. I remember that one from last year, Stan. Um, but uh, nah, I, you know, come up with some harebrained ideas. But um, that's that's how I got into it. Um, Glenn over here, when when he first, uh, you know, when Glenn and I first connected, he was he was very flattering. I wish he would would have stayed that way. I'd like him a lot more. Well, I, <laughs> saw a lot you, more. I saw you.
3: I saw you. You were a friend of mine. I saw you being attacked on Twitter. So I immediately and he he, he had
2: leapt to my defense and then he flattered me. Uh, telling me about you know his radio experience and I should have done it myself and uh, and ever since then it's it's just been one crazy hayride with Glenn. So uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> so but. do you remember the first um, Arsenal podcast you listened to? Because me, like most people, it was the Tuesday Club. Well, um, I think whatever it was called before the Tuesday Club, and then the <laughs> second one would have been Ask Blog, and then Ask Blog was one of the reasons why I thought oh, I wouldn't mind giving this a go and then uh that was 2012 my first one so what was your first asking Ars- podcast Ars- do you remember
2: ours blog was the first that was the absolute very first but i would not say that i listened to it religiously um i might get lambasted for what i am about to say but probably the first ever i'll say show that i really followed um, and, and would really look forward to quite frankly was AFTV. And it was in their, in their early days with, with Robbie and, and some of those guys. And I, I couldn't get the, I couldn't get the analysis here that I was getting from those guys, whether you agreed with it or not. I, I enjoyed what I enjoyed the product at the time and I'm going back six or seven years ago at this point with, with them. But that was, that's really probably if I, and, and like I said, I, people may not, I'd I'm sure I'm going to get some hate for this, but
0: well, people give AFTV a lot of shit. But you try doing that yourselves, building well, a massive podcast empire. In Rob yep. is a lovely bloke. Yep. I'm friends with a lot of the people from there, and what he has built there is something truly amazing. And to sustain yes. it, he started the month before I made my podcast debut. I think it was the about um, September October 2012, and what he has done to now, and is still doing to this day. I don't watch a single thing of it. I, I like some of the people. Yeah. But it was like you were saying, it's a little bit like the MTV of of podcasting. You're gonna get a little bit of everything it's aimed for a, a younger audience. Yeah. And if that gets you into football, then you move on to other things that are gonna be a little bit more analytic and a little yeah. bit more understanding, a little bit more of like like um Fergus and uh um what's it called their podcast? Guns and yellow ribbons. Guns They're a yellow doing an eight ribbons. part series on the history of Arsenal with Mark um Mark Andrews and Andy Kelly. Which is fantastic. Sure. I'm only into the second one. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't get that in other places because that's, that's not their market. Right. So don't worry about people um, being uh, poking poking you or poking you with a stick because you said you used to get into it via AF TV. Nothing wrong with that. Go no, ahead. Oh, carry on. Carry on. no,
2: that's no, no, no. Go ahead,
3: there. Go ahead. What's the question? How, how, how? how did I get into doing this? Yeah. Oh well. Uh, uh, BG has pictures of me and a horse. That's how I got to doing. <laughs> hey, if you do it with a horse, you always have a ride home. So, um, no, it was by accident. <laughs> no. And if you kill it, you've got dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my <laughs> it, was, it was it was in the hospital bed. And uh, so remember, I did not know this universe existed until mm-hmm. about five years ago in a hospital bed. I was watching Robbie at the um, at the World Cup. And of course, YouTube, with their little suggestions of what's on the bottom, I'm like, hey, what's this? Or can't, what's this, what, what is this? Uh, and, and that's how I got into it all by accident. I, and um, I needed After Radio to have a creative outlet. I was on Facebook making, you know, videos of my life as Mr. Mom for my old radio listeners that were enjoying them. But, uh, you know, Facebook, you can only tolerate looking at people's grandkids for so long. Uh, and and uh, once I discovered this whole universe, I was like, this is fantastic and um and I went on to seeing all of these great podcasts and seeing all these people as passionate as I am and uh to this day it's it's this isn't a career for me. I don't ask people to follow me on Twitter or subscribe to YouTube or whatever. This is all just fun. I enjoy meeting people who love the club that I do and this this isn't anything this is I'm, I'm not into podcasting or whatever the, vlogging whatever this is called i just enjoy doing this and it gives me a creative outlet something i need to stay sane
0: it's good it is it's a good way to uh to vent your spleen and there's a lot of venting coming out so do you remember what the first actual arsenal podcast you listened to was
3: that i listen. It's- oh wow oh what was it same old arsenal maybe it might have been same old arsenal because i have i remember taking a shot at graham in the live comments and he shot back at me i was like i had instant respect for him um so yeah that that was probably it same maybe same old arsenal was the first full show that i listened watched
0: great way to start stan i know the answer to this but how did you get first get into podcasting and then uh what was the very first arsenal podcast you ever listened to
1: well, the first podcast that I ever appeared on was yours. And it was, uh, I was living in Amsterdam and it was when you used to do the uh, transfer window LUT final day countdown. And you'd be on that for, it seemed like about the whole day. And you'd ask your listeners, if you want to come on, let us know. And you can come on, there's slots for a half hour each. And I appeared on one of those and quite enjoyed it. But what really got me into actually actively podcasting was, moving from amsterdam and moving to canada and not knowing anybody here just me and my missus here in vancouver having no sort of base i decided that i wanted to start watching at arsenal and if there was a place where i could watch it with other gooners it would be a good way to meet people so i found out where that was downtown there was a pub where gooners were watching and I went there for the first time and I, I sat in the wrong place where everyone sat. I sat in the totally wrong place. I didn't want to get up and start reseating myself in a game. And when I came back, my missus said to me, did you meet anyone? How was it? I said, yeah, there's definitely gooners go down to this particular pub. But I didn't get to really chat to anyone. And then I was, um, at the same time, I, was, I started listening to a, a podcast, which isn't around anymore, Sunny TV Unfiltered. And during one of his podcasts, he asked for any of his listeners that were living globally to send him in post-match reactions, and uh, little videos, and he'd put them on his show after each game. So I thought to myself, well, if I start doing these post-match reactions down at this pub, it'd be a lot easier for me to get to know people rather than just walking up to people and saying, hello, I don't know anyone. Can I come and talk to you? Do do you know what I'm saying? saying?" And just like becoming like a limpet on their table, just like sticking there. And it and it, it was good. We started. I started doing this thing called uh, it was called uh, Gooners in Vancouver, and it became a regular thing at this pub. You know, I got to know quite a lot of people. You know, I got to the stage where, as the game was finishing, I'd have people start crowding around the table because they all want to get on, and and stay their peace. You know, these are people that were going there every week. So for me, Arsenal helped me to get to know a lot more people. And obviously, just after moving into Canada, when I when I moved there, we went into lockdown that again it really took away any opportunity that I had to go out and meet people so the podcasting world for me has been a great way for someone that's moved away from all of their family and friends over to the other side of the world to still have a a little bit of a community so when I am invited onto podcasts I really look forward to it because for me this is the equivalent of going down the pub with maybe five or six people having a beer and talking about the footy you know, I literally have one mate in Vancouver, my mate Guna Mike, who I met from the pub because everyone's scattered for COVID, that I will meet up, you know, and have a pint with. And we can not just about Arsenal, but other things. So this whole podcasting thing for me has been a way for me to to have other companions that I can just chat this, chat the shit about. And my missus said to me, she's like, you seem to be really enjoying it. And now, you know, why don't you start up your own channel? But that's not for me. I mean, I see the hard work that people like yourself, Danny, people like uh, BG down there, what it takes to start up a channel, and I I just think of myself as a as a podcast whore. You know, (laughs) if you invite me to a podcast and you want to chat about Arsenal, and as long as you know the the time works because of the time difference, I'm more than happy to come on and chat Arsenal, but doing all that hard work and starting up a channel and and all of that stuff that I know that it takes because I've been around so many people that that does it. I I just don't think that part of it's going to ever be for me, but more than happy to come on and just chat shit for an hour or so.
3: Yeah, I'm definitely a whore like that too. Anybody asks me, I will be on. I wish I could do watch-alongs, but it sucks because uh, in the UK you're like 45 seconds ahead of us. So if I'm watching a game with guys and they're cheering or yelling, I don't see it for 40. So I can't do that. But I would love to have that feeling of being in a pub, and and you know watching a game with everybody in real time. You know, I would do watch-alongs except for that time difference. That's how much.
0: Yeah, but you it. You start yeah. the game, so everybody pulls the game at one minute, and then
3: at oh, one minute I can't you ask play. Them to do that. I'm not. I'm, I can't ask them to do that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you know, I have so many great memories of going down to the Blind Pig in Manhattan, which is the Arsenal bar, bar, pub uh, here. Um, you know, and it's just fantastic. That that were my most memorable moments.
0: Stan, what's the first podcast you listened to? Do you remember?
1: Yeah, yeah, the first ever Arsenal podcast. And I think it was probably the first ever podcast that I'd ever listened to was Arse blog It was blog Fun, by my, mate. My, my, my mate, And it's funny because my mate from the UK, his name's Tanner as well. His Ooh. surname, but he's known as Tanner. That's his surname, John Tanner. Ooh. He's the one that got me into it. And the very next podcast that I started listening to on a very much regular
0: basis was yours i didn't know that i didn't even know that that we were the the first one that you did until you told me before the show because we were talking for a while before the show started i just had to look up it was the 1st of september 2017 wow and and you were on with you were right and a bloke called kp large who i don't know jeffy o'hara who i do know oh no wrong one where is it oh no here we go you're on part three with the femster they oh, Femi, Femi. Femi, who's now part of the podcast, someone called David Lee and Tim H, who was from South Africa, who's moved, just moved over to the UK a few years ago. So and if I
1: remember rightly, that was Femi's first ever appearance on another Burk Wonderland. I've never been on a podcast before. I don't think um Femi had, and that was definitely his first appearance on your show now. He's one of he's one of your regulars, right? He's part of the show.
0: Yeah, and I've just had to look at David Lee's Twitter and uh he's still tweeting oh dear god you know
3: what danny you should work for the government that's scary that you that you just pulled up all that information oh, no, on, on the abw <laughs>
0: website i've got an index and every show anyone's ever been on i've got it so like, it says stan and it says show 204 and 200 and something else so i should go and update update this later and, and put it on so if anybody wants to go i want to look at what show I was on i don't know go to our uh, bird one go to index and control f and find your name and it's on there Only for a podcast, so not for the post-game shows. Didn't do it for that. Um, Question only for you, Tanner. How did you come to the conclusion you wanted to start your own channel and how hard was it to start your channel? Because when we started it, there was only four other Arsenal podcasts, and you didn't have to be any good to get 30,000 views per show. Now we get two or 3,000, including um, iTunes and that lot per show. And then some people I see, you're doing loads of really good I – comment. I watch your show, so it's obviously a decent Thank show. But it is – you are like kind of flogging a dead horse at times because five or six years ago, you'd be getting 10,000 views a show. And then now yeah. you're slow. It takes so long to build up the following. And like with Mike and Andy, the, the Gooners pod, I watched that for years and they'd have five or six people watching. Now they're getting 40, 50, 60. Mm-hmm. Same with the High Priest squad. They had six, 700 the other night. It will come if you keep um, sticking with it. But do you ever think, oh, how can't we? There's 500 Arsenal podcasts out there. There's not enough jam for everybody to have jam on toast.
2: Yeah. Um, it, it wasn't. I mean, I, you know, it wasn't hard to start the channel. It was just a matter of, of – you know, you got to you know put the time into it to, you know, get the graphics created and find the time to do the shows. And, and that's kind of a difficult thing for me is just finding the time, um, mm. you know, to, to get everything in. And it, it's, it's hard to justify for me. It's hard to justify the time because I'm not making any money off of it. And, uh, you know, I you know, the world keeps spinning. So um, it, it wasn't so the fact wasn't that you're never going to
0: make money. Does that put you off a little bit? or because i was saying to stan before the show started some moments we would make two or three hundred quid a month from donations and all that other stuff and i turned all the donations off during COVID because people didn't need i didn't want people giving us money and now an average show will get 50p maybe 40p a show and a youtuber suspended our payments because i'm not tax registered so all the money from the adverts will just keep building up and we'll we'll never get hold of it but it must be hard to be putting all those out. I don't work, and, and plus I, I've got enough money. I don't need. I can pay for everything all on my own. But it must be a bit daunting to think that some people are making a fortune while everyone else is doing just as much hard work, You're getting nothing out of it.
2: Yeah, well, I, I mean, it. You know what? If you, I'll, you know, I'll put it to you like this: If you gamble, and I mean, you go to the casino and you gamble. As long as you do it for entertainment, mm. and you don't ever do it as a job you'll you'll never walk out of you'll you'll walk out of the casino disappointed i'll leave the show if that's the way i looked at it but i don't look at it i look at it as entertainment i look at it as an opportunity to 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 make more friends and and you know build a a build a rapport and build a network of, of people who share again a passion of of mine that i don't really have anyone else around here to share my passion with i I can go to my local, you know, I listen to, to Glenn and Stan talk about, you know, going to their local pub and, and watching Arsenal. I go into to the pub that shows Arsenal around here, and I'm surrounded by scum fans, or I'm surrounded by United fans, or I'm surrounded by Chelsea fans. Everybody goes to the same place. Like, we don't have our own, we don't have our own pub. Um, and and it just, yeah. So, it, I, I look at it as, no, this is a way to network. It's, it's a way to, to chat with other folks that, that share the same thing that I do. Um, and I enjoy this, you know, I, I started off and I thought, you know, I can do this. I could do this and I can build it to the point where I'll make money at it. And, and the goal, the goal is there. Um, I, it, it's, it's a long-term goal. It has to be, I'm at 953 subscribers as of last, last check in there. Um, when you well, get to a
0: thousand, then can you monetize it?
2: I think it's at a thousand subscribers. You can monitor, you have to apply yeah. for it. Um, they they'll look at a bunch of different things with with your shows, so you know you can apply at a thousand subscriptions and we'll go from there. But uh, I I think that you know as long as I keep kicking out content, if I can be consistent with it, you know I can I can build something here. Will I ever get to be as big as AFTV? No, that's that market Nobody is ordered will. No, no that that is you know to think that I'll get to that point, it just it just won't happen. You know, could I could I survive? Would I be happy if I made enough money to pay a utility bill a month? Absolutely, I would be thrilled if people actually <laughs> offered me money to say, "Here's here's ninety nine ninety nine pence," to just to say, "I support what you're doing. I appreciate the content." Here you go. I I would be I would be absolutely over the moon uh, about it. When I when I started this whole thing, and I'll tell you really quick. I know Glenn wants to jump in. I'll, I'll tell you really quick. It was 2019.
3: You can tell. You can tell. And I, I can was.
2: Tell. Okay. Um, it was August of 2019, and I was in I was in London. I was in England, um, and I was there for the home opener against Burnley. And we were just talking about this last night, the Danny Ceballos coming out party. Go ahead, Glenn. Chuckle. Um, but I, I, I came up with this crazy idea, and I thought, what if I started my Twitter and started a YouTube channel, and I called myself the Bearded Gooner? And I, you know, got the beard, the whole thing, and I went down to the armory and I bought a, bought a jersey, bought a, a kit, and had them print it with the bearded gooner on the back of it. And I go to the match and I have people coming up to me left and right. Like, this was within a matter of days. I went from probably 300 followers, 200 followers on my Twitter account, which I did nothing with, to by the time that day was over, I was I had gained a 1,000 followers. I was pushing 1,500, in, in, in one day I got... 12 to 1300 followers. Um, I end up at the Tollington people buying me, you know, a pint, a shot left and right, you know, Oh my God, are you, you want wanting a picture? I'm like, Whoa, like I, I, am I going to be turned over to the authorities in, in England here? Like, are the, you know, are the Bobby's going to come get me. I don't, I, I don't, I what's happening here, but it was, it was something else. And, um, but I, you know what? It, it's just, like I said, it's entertainment for me now. It, it's just a way to network, make friends and, and, you know, chat footy with uh, with with some great people.
3: Yeah, that's that's a healthy way to look at it. Um, if this wasn't fun, I wouldn't do it. And I don't ask for people to follow me on Twitter or subscribe to YouTube because and if they do, I subscribe back because if they find something interesting about me, I'll probably find something interesting about them. Uh, you know, and I have. Uh, I'm, close to 800 i think i don't even pay attention to that stuff people following me on twitter and 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 i'm honored uh going back to to um bg's point i'm glad i don't want to make a career of this because danny this is no offense to you it's just something frustrating for me with england is that you dismiss us americans and and don't respect us don't like us for whatever reason and it's impossible to reach AFTV numbers if you're an American. And I'm glad that you realize that's never going to happen,
2: BJ. No, no, Glenn. They don't like you. They love me. They love me, <laughs> damn it. They don't like you.
3: Da- Danny, that is not a slight, but I know this. No, I no, you're a- right. I can't I stand any of you. <laughs> Perfect timing, my friend. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm glad that I have no aspirations except to have fun doing this because there's too much of a built-in – disrespect for american fans
0: and that's why they pay me to hang out of them it's purely for legitimacy reasons and they got they got a london geezer on there they got to be real
2: i had i had listen man i needed i needed some sort of uh credibility to, to do the show so you know when i was approached to host same old arsenal usa the first thing that popped into my head well i gotta have an ounce of credibility here so i gotta get
0: standing <laughs> Yeah. so i've had a few um it's quite, quite big, you know, quite a few uh, a few large Arsenal Twitter people contact me over the years and gone, I'm thinking of doing this uh, podcast stuff, how much money can I make? And if that's the first thing they say, I go, don't bother. If yeah. you want to do it and you want to... The most important thing is to have fun and, and just talk football. And that's the way ABW has gone back to, not live, only doing one show a week, gone back to the thing that makes it the most fun, is fun talking, talking football, football with mates. With
3: mate. Cross- I mean, For me, real quick, I swear, 10 seconds. For me, the most important thing in the way I interact with people on social media is I talk to them like they're in the same room with me and respect them and their opinion. And if we disagree, I try to talk to them. That's 10 seconds. Go ahead. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah just if it's not if you don't do it for the fun of it then you're not doing it for the right reason because you're never really going to make any kind of money out of it. those days of it's mainly youtube yes. the, the, the two lots of ad apocalypse on youtube and you're making no money unless you can get a bit of sponsorship going and then wherever we do anything we say we do it for nothing unless it's gambling or alcohol then we won't do it at all we say we won't bother the with that manscape company they seem to have a monopoly in arsenal podcast <laughs> but <laughs> every yeah.
1: other podcast is yeah.
0: sponsored we were by terrible Ad-Manscape we did it we did it once they sent us by uh, me john chris and i think i can't remember the other one it's definitely sent us four and uh, they said here's the read so i, I didn't do the read properly i just, <laughs> we just talked about it for 10 minutes and then i said to us uh, well i said how many have you managed to sell for, for the code and they went uh four I well, you broke even then. That's the last I heard <laughs> from them. Reminds me of
3: radio. Here in the States, it reminds me of radio. Here in the States, there's this company called the Vermont Teddy Bear. Okay. Yes. And they're like the biggest yes. teddy bear company. And they gave you a script and you had to read it. And if you divulged from it, your company lost the account, which was so much money. Hated doing that. So yeah, Danny, that was a tough lesson to learn. I I see.
0: Yeah, so like we did one with um. Playbook, play, I think playbook media where they a couple of Arsenal fans in America where they do um, cups and mugs and they do um, placemats and these things of like Arsenal goals where they'll have be a black pitch, you will have like thomas then to uh to, to dixon then smith then roca i mean thomas and all those other things like that i've probably got that completely wrong and i said they said do you want to do it again i go yeah we don't want anything for it just give something to the listeners and i did it last time and none of the fucking listeners bothered to interact in so they got advertising didn't have to give anything away but the time before that they they gave a couple of things away all right stan i think you said you got you might have to go so we start the last no, question what? with you me
3: oh, no, okay
1: Maybe you're I, right, I, go one
3: one. I still got 10 minutes before my son bursts in here
1: you just okay. reminded me something of danny i don't think you remember do you remember many 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 moons ago i approached to sponsor one of your shows and i don't know if i spoke to
0: you it might have been, um... hold on i remember that and me and Gimli both said yes and everyone else said we can't be associated with that was that you yeah i can't companies. remember who i didn't know it was you but someone from holland wanted to right. grow your own cannabis seeds was that That's you right. Yeah, I had yeah. no idea. It was, a long, it was ages ago. Me and my friend used
1: to own a company that was a seed company. Yeah. And we started doing sponsorships. And I said to my mate, I said, I'll get these guys because they've got loads of listeners. We've all got said yes. I remember.
0: Uh, yeah. <laughs> but the other people on the went, you can't do that in the UK, grow weed. <laughs> oh, dear. I did, honestly I had no idea. But as soon as you said that, I thought, Amsterdam. I just remembered. Weed, I just remembered. Did you get a
1: reply? Yeah, I got. I got a very polite no, was not it? I think it was. I might have been Gimli that I was talking to, but it was like. And I remember it was like some of us were, were would like to, but you know, there's been a consensus that because we we're in the area. You,
0: you might have said you can send him some, but you couldn't sponsor the show. I did actually send him some. <laughs> I, I sent him some. Oh, <laughs> only for medical research purposes, of obviously. Course, of course. <laughs> Right, um, we'll start. We keep on with you, Stan. Um, your thoughts on Arsenal this season and how you think it's going to go, and however long you want to talk about this. You lot of the stuff they've got to go and do stuff. I've got nothing going on, so depending (laughs) on how much time you've got, (laughs) (laughs) that problem,
3: Danny.
1: (laughs) For me, this is probably the most um frightening period that I can remember since I've supported Arsenal and. I was one of those that when Mikel Arteta was appointed, I was 50-50. I wasn't like, no, no, I wasn't like, oh, yes, please. There was other people that I would have, was on my list ahead of him. But I was like, OK, let's let's see what happens here. But obviously, him being the Arsenal manager, I was always going to back him, just like I backed Emery. And as I've explained before in other podcasts, the last thing that I want to see happen to Arsenal is what I saw happen with Manchester United when Sir Alex Ferguson retired from there. And that is them constantly going through manager after manager, like a revolving door. A new manager comes in. He doesn't like what the previous manager's doing. He rips that up. He wants to get rid of this player. He wants to bring in those players. He never gets to the end of his plan before they change and bring in another guy. And you're in this constant flux. So I'm, I backed Emery. But there was, it did get to a point where I thought to myself, well, this, is, this, this can't continue. And I'm still the same with Mikel Arteta. That I really want this guy to succeed. And although I'm really disappointed in a lot of stuff that Mikel Arteta has done as the Arsenal manager, some of his decisions, his choices, his attitude about certain things, I still have a couple of boxes that I need to cross off before I can I can be definitive about it. I need to see the the, the the transfer window close and I need to see what it is that we're going to bring in and who's going to go. It looks really bad at the moment, but it's still open. Anything can still happen. So I want to see what happens there. And then once that window closes, if we are going to bring some more people in, I do want to give them a chance to put those those people out in front of us to see if they can get any results. But deep down, I'm of the opinion, Danny, that I don't actually believe it's a case that Mikel Arteta needs to get player A or player B or player C. Because that last match with Brentford, you know, that was a for me, that was a Mikel Arteta team. For me, that's a Mikel Arteta team. A lot of players yeah, like, tennis tennis.
0: You remember that's that? Tweet?
1: You remember that tweet I put out, Danny, and I put out I put out a tweet of the starting lineup, and I said um, this team has goals in it. And you put in the comments, yeah, it certainly has. I definitely thought that that team had goals in it, and I was excited, and mm-hmm. I really think that that was an Arteta team. But we still somehow managed to play in the same nondescript way that I've been seeing Mikel Arteta teams play since he's been at the club. So I don't actually believe that even if he brought in Messi in the window, it would really do much. You know, I'm obviously, I'm, obviously I'm being a bit facetious when I say that, but I still have to give him an opportunity. I want to give him the chance before we before we say, "Okay, that's it, mate, time to go." You know, as a as a famous friend of ours once once used to say, mm-hmm. but it, it, "It's getting to that. It is getting. It is getting to that period now." The decisions that I'm seeing. It doesn't bode well for me, and I've got a feeling that come the North London derby, that's when I've got a feeling that if I'm still seeing what I'm seeing by then, originally I said it was going to be October. October is when I'm going to have my decision on him. I've got a feeling that it might be brought forward to the the North London derby. So that's where I am with Arsenal at the minute, mate.
3: And and as far as far as I go, it wasn't that long ago where we were all moaning about always finishing in fourth place. Uh And now we've had two consecutive eighth place finishes. That's it for me. I want to preface this by saying, I look at me, everybody that's watching this. I want to be wrong. But I think Arteta and the front office are killing this club. And unless we get Odegaard and someone to play next to Partey, we're going to see another season just like last season.
1: Can I just add another bit before you go to Tana? Something I forgot because it's something I've been thinking about a lot recently. And that is, all of those people that want Mikel Arteta to no longer be the manager, let's say that we all went to sleep tonight and when we woke up tomorrow morning, they all got their wish. My question would be, if Mikel Arteta and Adu were shown out of the door, who at Arsenal Football Club is qualified enough to draw up a shortlist, go to the board, the owners and make recommendations of who the new manager should be. Because she, the only person that would be left would be Vinay. And I don't think that he's got the qualifications to do that. And let's say that other people got their wish and they decided that they were going to court and try to appoint Conte, who at the club, again, has the qualification to sit down in front of someone with the stature of an Antonio Conte, who knows more about football than I'm gonna, than, than I'm ever going to know. Who's going to sit there in front of him and sell him a vision of football at Arsenal Football Club? I just don't think that we've got anybody qualified to do any of those two things. And it worries me that if us, if, if Arteta does get fired, how that decision's going to be made. I mean, I'm looking at it now, i right? well, it looks
3: like it's going to be an Alan Pardew, right? And there this, lies the problem, a st- I'm sorry BG I know you're chomping at the bit yeah. I just want to say I don't want I'm not cutting off my nose to spite my face and saying fire Arteta and worry about it later you get your best minds together if that exists at Arsenal and, and get a list of, of, of people you prepare for it they should be preparing for it right now
1: that's my question though uh, Glenn who are these minds that's who are they that that there's, there's there's Because if you, the board, if you take the the side out of it if if they if they sanction to get rid of Arteta they're not going to they're not physically personally going to be looking for a manager they're going to expect somebody within the club to deliver a shortlist and sell them on why it should be this guy and if you can't get this guy it should be who's going to do that there's I, no I want a
3: manager that's not going to give me a fucking soap opera every day. What's going on with bamiang and Lacazette? Why can't he just come out and settle this shit? I'm sick of this shit. It's been enough for losing. Now it has to be a fucking soap opera? This man has lost control. Sorry, BG. Oh, it's, it's
0: not a soap opera. It's a TV show on Amazon next season.
3: Yeah, yeah. I, I know um, you do know, What do you call soap operas in in the UK? They're not called soap operas. How we call
0: them? Oh, well, yeah, so, stories
3: or something.
2: I uh, would have. That's, what my, that's what my grandmother always called them. Um, store her stories, but no. You know what? It, it's it's funny. Just the, the, the way that Stan ended, um, and and the question that he posed is a great question because actually the other night I tweeted out basically the exact same question, but I was a little more specific with it. And the question was, what is Josh Kroenke's vision for this football club? And the fact is, is that there is no one here who has a vision above Edu. And and, and his role isn't even I, – I don't know. There's. I, I will say this. This is the one thing that, that has always sort of confused me. There's a director of football, and then there's a technical director. And I don't know what the job of either of those two positions are. Um, here in America, we would call – Probably the two of them combine them, and they would be called the general manager in American sports. Um, as 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 the general manager, this this club needs a general manager type, and I would equate that to the director of football. And you have to bring in someone at that level that has a vision. Like Stan said, the problem is no one above that person has the vision, so and no one below them can draft up a list of people to recommend. So we're left with ownership that can't spell soccer. And I'll use that because that's the (laughs) word they'll use. They can't spell soccer. They can't, they probably can't spell arsenal to be honest. (laughs) Um, so they don't know, they don't know their asses from a hole in the ground when it comes to this sport, let alone the fact that it's not played in their country. And it's a completely different financial system. They don't understand any of that. So, they're left with people whom they don't trust and who aren't much smarter than they are about the entire hierarchy and structure of a football club left making recommendations to them on how to build the club so the question danny that that you asked is what are my feelings for the rest of this season
0: And if you could end that with a prediction of um, position for the end of the season,
2: Arteta will not last this season. It will be a a a big Sam sort of hire somebody to just try to steady the ship, not write it, just steady it. They don't have an idea. Go ahead, Glenn. What were you
3: going to say? I, I was just going to say the worst part is that it's like all the Arsenal fans are in a lifeboat and there might be help with the transfer market, but we're all starting to turn on each other because the food is running out, you know, yeah. and it just, it's so frustrating. And guys, I have uh, two kids, a diabetic cat, an old cat and three dogs that need me. So I have to go now. <laughs> um, uh, I, I'm Before sorry. you go, Glenn,
0: tell people your Twitter.
3: You, and I, uh, no I'm not into that you if you want to follow me you'll you'll find me right I love you and put if you ad, do
2: put the at in front of his name on there that's what it is yeah.
3: and if you if you do follow me I'll follow you back but only follow me if you find me interesting. don't follow me just for the fuck of it because I'm on Danny's show uh, th- uh guys I love you thank you so much Danny for having Thanks me, Thanks, me. Man. See
0: you later. going um oh
1: whoa where am I at here We're going
2: vertical. There, we there we go there we go there we go there we go um but I you know <laughs> a, a prediction uh, as to where we finish, if nothing more changes, and I and I and I don't share the same hope and, and optimism that I think a lot of people do with the fact that there's still two weeks left in the transfer window, because well, the style, hope and
0: optimism it could be referred to as delusional.
2: But, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think there's a player out there, barring maybe a Leo Messi, that could really turn this club around. Simply because I don't think the style suits the players. the the majority of the players in this club and you're talking about bringing in one or two and all of a sudden the, the system isn't going to change. He's bringing in players to try to, to get them to adapt to his system. Um, and that's, that's Mikel Arteta. And I understand why he's so hell bent on instilling his system. Um, he's treating Arsenal football club and its supporters like they're a fire hydrant and he's pissing on us and marking his territory and saying, Oh, this is my club and I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. Come hell or high water. Um, and we will reach one of those points, hell or high water, uh, by probably Christmas. Um, I prediction we do not score in the first three games in the league. I think we'll beat West Brom in the cup. I don't think we score against Chelsea. I don't think we score against City. We lose all three. Um, the, 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 the locals are out with their torches and pitchforks. He gets to the North London Derby, at which point he's we've maybe scored a goal, maybe three, one against Burnley, two against Norwich. Maybe we win one of those games. Go into the North London Derby and a very well-organized Nuno Espirito Santo side in uh, in the scum. Just come here and, and just absolutely demolish this club and make us look silly. And at that point, I think the board will have – well, the board. There is no board. Anymore, um, ownership will have no choice but to sack him. And we are somewhere sitting around the bottom of the table, relegation zone. The replacement that's brought in will be an Alan Pardue, a Roy Hodgson, a Sam Allardyce. And it'll simply be, get us to get us to 12th, get us to 12th, get us to 13th. And we'll reevaluate at the end of the year, at which point we will simply wash and repeat until ownership come up with a clear vision of what they want this football club to be. Now, maybe they have that clear vision. Maybe that clear vision is just be mediocre. We're, we're raking in money left and right. We don't care. We don't need champions league money because we're making, we're happy with what we're making. And if that's the case, then, you know, we're all screwed and we're just going to have to suffer with this. But yeah, I prediction for where we finish. I'm going to say 12.
0: Stan.
1: How do I I follow the apocalypse that Tana just laid out there? You chuck yourself in a volcano. (laughs) That was the end of the world, wasn't it? Literally. I mean uh, I agree with every word of it. But it's true. It's frighteningly true. That's the thing. It really is that daunting. And I would think that for me to give you a prediction, I've got to give you a range, unfortunately. It's very difficult for me to pin to pin myself to one number. There is no way that we're going to finish any higher than sixth on a good day is where I think that this team is capable of getting to. However, I also think that on the other end of that range, it could be really low down there. I don't think that we'll be in a relegation fight, but it won't be much above that. It really could be lower than eighth, where we finished for the last two seasons, but no way are we going to get higher than sixth. I will
2: say, I will, sorry Sam.
1: As I just a lot depends on. There's still a lot of, like things that can happen that can that can change. If there's a manager change, and again, I think that what happened with Chelsea last season should have been a wake up call for a lot of people because when Frank Lampard went in there, he went in there. You know, he's he's had more experience than Mikel at Derby. He had a very good team to play with. Yes, they had a, a, a transfer window ban, but he was still given money to keep on shopping. He got the players that he wanted to get in. He couldn't get a tune out of them. And once they decided, once they once they identified that and pulled the trigger on it, and they brought in a manager of more experience who could have come to us, I think he would have taken the one Europe. And I think that there's a lot to be said about who's at the helm of the club. So, you know, if Arsenal pulled the trigger quickly and gets the right man in, then you know, we could get up to something like six again.
0: Do you think that a, a different manager would come in? Because I wouldn't be surprised if a, a new manager came in. I've, I gave Arteta before the season. My pinned tweet has got the first 10 games of the season. And I said, we're going to win two of them and then he'll be fired. So I, I reckon if another manager came in, you would all, all um, automatically see that Aubameyang start playing properly as a striker. You see Lacazette playing better. You see them attacking properly, not getting the ball and going, oh, passing it back all the time and not playing out from the back because nobody likes it. And then we've got a pretty decent squad, Tanner, haven't we? A decent manager could make this team it's, do really well, like Stan was saying, with it's Chelsea. All,
2: it's all about the system. It's all about the system. And the, and, the, and the thing is, and this is, you know, everybody thinks that because of the FA Cup win, you know, and the and the, run, the run-in to the that, to that trophy, and then, of course, following it with the Community Shield against, you know, a, a, a strong Liverpool side, that, that you know, he's he's a good manager and and I think he will be a, a good manager eventually but if he wants to be a good manager right now he needs to look at the club he needs to look at the individual players and say okay how do I make this work here are my ingredients I'm I'm trying to make I'm trying to make spaghetti sauce and all I have is ketchup and mustard well that's not spaghetti sauce but you're somehow going to try to make it work and it's going to taste awful and it tastes awful right now the fact is you look at the ingredients you have and you try to make a meal from that. You don't plan the meal and then go out and buy the wrong ingredients. And, and that's really where where we're at right now. It's a talented side. We were six points. Six points. With this squad off the top four last year. Six points. I think we've upgraded with Ben White over David Luiz Friday night against Brentford notwithstanding. Um, I think when Gabrielle comes back into the fold as the left-sided center back, that will help Ben White, um, but Arteta, if he wants to stay, has to change the system. This is a three at the back counter-attacking football side right now. That's it. Stop the possession thing because while you can have eighty percent of the possession, it that doesn't that doesn't count for anything. What counts are the goals that are scored, and this club over the course of the last six months has shown a drastic and very worrying trend to not score, to not even create. We're not even close to threatening to score. At any point on Friday night that I think we're going to get back in this. All we need is one. We just need a little we need a little luck. We need one ball to deflect and go in the net. We're not we're not even there. We're not even at the point where we can put a shot on and and hope for a, a bit of bad luck. On the, on the opposition part, a bit of good luck on our own. We're not a good attacking side. It is pass the ball around the horseshoe. That's all it is. Um, the, the build out from the back, we don't have the goalkeeper to do that. Uh, Pablo Marie showed his his iceberg-like status on Friday. He's not the guy to play out from the back. Ben White is. I, I will say that Ben White, that's why we got him.
0: Um, Apart from the couple of times when he got caught out of position. Well,
2: right. You know, we, we I, I keep seeing then Chambers we, had to
0: come across, and then we had yep, no one covering yep, it
2: right back. I I I see the you know Leno playing the ball to granite jocka, and it's very reminiscent of the Burnley game from last year where the ball ends up in the back of the net. We're not we're not good at that. So what what Mikel Arteta has to do is is it's not it's not a matter of coaching into them your system to make them better at it. It's play to their strengths. Our strengths are Bakayo Saka and Emil Smith Rowe and Obama Yang, who I still think can is, is a is a just a hair below being a world-class striker. Alex Lacazette has not forgotten how to score goals, but it's the system that is restraining our creative players from doing their jobs, from doing what they're good at. Nicola Pepe, Gabriel Martinelli. Our attack should we just create some chaos. Create a little bit of chaos in the attack rather than no 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 don't know gabrielle martinelli don't you dare come too far inside that's not your position you need to stay out there and figure it out from way over there that's the problem you know um granted chalk in the midfield yeah granted problem but i will 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 stake my flag in into this mountain this is where i guess i'll die this year this is not on the players this is on the manager and his system if he can change his system alter his system to design it more to the, to the, the quality of the players. Now, now, now we're cooking, now we're cooking. um, But even you go back to last year and I'm sorry for being long winded, Danny.
3: That's you, okay. go back
2: to, you go back to, last, to, to, to you know, toward towards the end of last season, we're at a point where we really are counting on the opposition, making a mistake for us to score. And, and, you know, I, I'm okay. I don't care about possession. I don't. I, that number means nothing to me. You you can't. If you don't score, you won't win. And we're playing right now. Played all preseason, and even at the end of last season, we just don't want to lose. We're okay with the nil-nil draw. Mikel Arteta is okay with the nil-nil draw. Don't concede, but and don't don't lose possession and don't concede a goal, and we're fine. But we're not fine. We're 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 not fine. That that would be 38 points. That would be 18th place, and we would be relegated. <laughs> If that's if that's what happened every match but that's how he's playing you can't if if you if you don't take any risks you will earn no rewards it's that simple unleash these guys let, let, let the defense be structured and disciplined in their roles let that back four be structured and disciplined in their roles let the attacking four or five players that you're gonna that, that, that you want in your attack cut these guys loose man I have Fri- and our let's strongest. the dogs of war. Let's go.
0: Some of our strongest play should be from the attackers, isn't it, Stan? But, Stan, uh, next game, home to Chelsea. How is the Emirates crowd going to be... T- <laughs> For those listening, Stan's just pulled a face like he's found a turd in his coffee.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing, right? You know, usually after a loss. I mean, if you're starting the season, you're looking at the fixtures, and you're looking at our first four or five fixtures you've got to be thinking, well, we want to get some points on the board. We've got to try and get all three points at Brentford. And if you can't do that, then you want to think, okay, we're going to go into that next game and we've got to make up for it, And which is why I'm I'm kind of glad that they've kind of announced a little bit that the Lacazette and and Lacazette and Aubameyang aren't going to be available because I want that team to go out there and redeem themselves. Redeem yourselves. The only change I would probably make, I would start Saka this time. You should be fully fit now and I will start Martinelli up front and bring maybe Balogun off the bench rather than starting him. But it's basically the same team. Go out there, redeem yourselves. But the thing is, they played so objectively bad against Brentford, you look at the next team and you think, well, how are you supposed to bounce back? This team is markedly better than the one that we've just lost to. So I look at it this way. If you're going to lose, lose. But I've always said on our podcast, I can handle losing, but it's the manner of the loss. If we lose the game and everybody's squeezed everything out they've got in there to give, it's acceptable. It's when we lose and you don't understand why and you can't understand the tactics or players are strolling around or they're not doing the things that they're supposed to do. And you hear Mikel Arteta say in his press conference afterwards that the players weren't doing the basic things. And you think to yourself, well, you've been here for 19 months, mate. They should at least be doing the basic things. Why have you not why are you unable to get them to do the basics? Let alone implement a style of play that you're trying to put on them. You've got to start with the basics, right? And you just told me they can't do that. So I worry against these next fixtures that are coming up because the only fixture in there that seems to give us any kind of respite is West Bromwich Albion. And usually you would want to use that as the one where you could put out players like Aziz and give them a run out, Use some younger kids. But if we've been spanked upside upside their head before we get to WBA, then you've got to play your best 11, right, to get some confidence back. You've got to put them in there to get them ready again. Meanwhile, we've got players then that are hanging about that don't get minutes. So we've kind of... I know that Mikel Arteta tries to tell us that they've got everything planned out, but this is improvisation or... Or you know, like when you see like someone called it like jazz, jazz impromptu jazz management. Everyone's playing a different instrument and they're trying to make it sound like one song. So it's a roller coaster ride for me, Danny. I have no idea where we're going or what's going to happen.
0: But we do know one thing that's going to happen is uh, Kieran Tierney's going to keep running down the left, crossing the balls to no one, oh. and then when we get the ball, we're going to pass it back.
1: Yeah, I mean we we all know what we're. Every team knows what we're doing now. They can see that. The problem with me is it's like if you want to play out from the back, I get that, but you've got to have – there's a key word that we miss in our style of play, and that's variety. We don't have any variety in there. By playing it out from the back, it doesn't mean that you can't kick it long now and again, and especially if you're playing it out the back, the more that the opposition is going to come on to you to close it down, there's space at the back there. That's when somebody with a bit of legs in them can maybe hang back, and then we can play it long. And try and make use of the space, but they're they're just robotically doing what they're, I don't believe that the players have down tools, they seem to be doing what Mikel Arteta wants. Yep, that's methodically. The and then you've got Mikel Arteta continuously barking what he wants done at 90 minutes. And if you're a player and you're and you make and you do something wrong, and then Mikel Arteta starts trying to tell you, you've done it wrong. This is what I want you to do next time. Well, you're standing there listening to that, the game is still being played around you. No, and have, the opposition aren't stopping to let you listen to Mikel Arteta for the next one. You're oh, still water in the same. So I think it's a distraction. I think it's micromanagement. And, you know, sit down for a bit. Let the game, let the game breathe for a bit. You know, you, if you really want to tell a player that he's doing something wrong, try and get it to half-time when you're inside and do that. And the other thing that I'd like to mention as well with that Brentford game was, I thought it was very telling. I don't know if you noticed it, Danny, that he brought the players out early after half, before before the second half. Yeah, the
0: Brentford players were still standing in the tunnel being filled.
1: Yeah, it's the way from home. He's brought them out early. They were all standing there with their faces and their heads down. Because they'd obviously had a dressing down. And when you bring when you bring players out early for the kickoff, you're, you're you're trying to say something. You're saying, I'm not happy with this. And it was there for everyone to see. And the cameras went to Mikel Arteta. And he had a face like thunder. And I just remember thinking to myself, is this where we're at? And it's the first game of the season. We're supposed to have just had a pre-season where everyone comes together and we're all looking forward to that first game. And I, and this is where we're at. This isn't like three quarters through of the season and we've lost some really vital games and, you know, we're not playing to the best of our potential and Mick Arteta is trying to make a point. He's starting that now at the first game. And it yeah. doesn't bode well. It doesn't bode well for harmony and you know, a togetherness if that's what's happening. It just reminds me of, do you remember when Phil Brown was the manager of Hull and instead of taking them in at off time, he made him sit round in a circle while he was in the middle and he was basically yeah. giving them all of that. It's that's one right. of them. It's <laughs> one of them, isn't it? It's kind of, it feels like that kind of a thing. I get it that he's angry with them, but doing that on the first day of the season, no, he should have bollocked them you know, in, inside the dressing room. Give it to him there. Really fun and tell them, be honest with them, but don't bring them out like that. Not in the first game. Where do we go from there?
0: Downwards. I agree with all of that lot. Yep. Right. Uh, Tanner, where can people find you on Twitter and plug your YouTube channel? Uh,
2: on Twitter. I am at the bearded Gooner, and I am one of those follower whores. I will ask you to follow me simply because I'm putting out good content and I want you to watch. True. Um, uh, you can find us on YouTube. Just search uh, Bearded Gooner Media, and uh, it'll pop right up.
0: Lovely. Stan, do you want to remain anonymous like Glenn does, or do you want to tell people how to find you on Twitter?
2: You can find me on
1: Twitter at – where is it? Right ben. there. And you can also find me over with uh, the Bearded One on BG Media. On Thursdays and sometimes on the Sunday, you can find me over on the Arsenal Fan Circle – And if there's any boxing or or UFC going on, then I'm usually with Terry uh, for those doing a live watch-along for those uh, punch-ups over on Claude and the Bouncers.
0: Lovely. And for people only listening, it's Stan underscore the underscore man 68. Uh, Cheers, Danny. Thank you. Lovely. (laughs) Right. And thanks to Glenn, who's who's had to leave um, because uh, it's getting on. And most people have stuff to do unlike me i'm gonna go and chop myself four pork chops in the oven and that's all i'm gonna have for dinner so thank you very much to glenn stan and tanner for joining us thank you for having us mate it Good was uh, much appreciated uh, it was an absolute joy i've just spoke to stan for nearly three hours so <laughs> luckily it was stan and not someone that i didn't already know So. Uh, we will be recording another one of these with the Bruised Banana podcast on Wednesday, but that won't be out until next week. The ABW podcast is planned for this Thursday. At the moment, it's only Carl and Femi. I might be on that one. I don't know, but it'd just be me shouting and screaming uh, Arteta out because I've had enough. And other than that, that's it. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening. And uh, we will see you again very soon. Thank you very much. As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Splendid
1: business. Get down, dog.